Welcome to Smith Memorial Online. We are located in Collinsville, Virginia. We are glad you joined us today. If you head over to our webpage, you can find more ways to serve, more sermons like this, as well as opportunities to support this ministry through giving. We pray God's blessing on the hearing and the doing of God's Word. Amen. that you would pray with me and for me. Bless, O Lord, this gathering body. May we be attentive to the way in which you still speak today. Illumine our hearts, our minds, to be receptive to you and to your words in our midst. For we ask these things in the name of the one who was the word and who is the word for us. Jesus the Christ. Amen. Our gospel lesson today comes from Mark chapter 14 verses 12 through 25. Hear these words today. On the first day of unleavened bread when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. And when they had all taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. One who is eating with me. They began to be distressed, and they say to them, to them one another, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it is written of him. But woe to the one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine. Until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Friends, these are the words of God for you and me, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Place the cross before me. Let none see me but you and your grace alone. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, today we continue our sermon series, The Last Week. As I've been going through this sermon series with David, I've come to see that in my own time scheduling, it seems as if Jesus is able to get a lot more accomplished in one week than I have been able to get accomplished in my own We find him coming in on Sunday, riding in on his donkey, and begging for the gathering people to choose. Choose this day between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Caesar. On Monday, we encounter Jesus in his temple scene, where he's turning the tables and he's uh, calling out the money changers and he's effectively shutting the place down. Because he demands that they might show justice and not just show up with their worship. On Tuesday, Jesus uses a coin to ask what does belong to God and what does belong to Caesar. And as we all know, the answer is everything belongs to God and Caesar has nothing. On Wednesday, as David talked about it, it's the tipping point of the dominoes. We find Judas as one character who plots to betray Jesus. And we find another character, an unknown woman, who takes her costly perfume and she anoints Jesus for burial. Today we have come to Thursday. Thursday for Jesus is a grueling day, according to Mark. In the evening, Jesus eats a final meal with his followers. He prays for deliverance in the Garden of Gethsemane. He is betrayed by Judas, denied by Peter, and abandoned by the rest of his disciples. Jesus is arrested in darkness. He is then interrogated and condemned to death by the high priest and his council, the local collaborators with imperial authority. All of this in one day before dawn on Friday morning. It's way too much to cover in a simple sermon as today, but I would like to focus my attention to where Mark starts Jesus' time. At the beginning of our passage today, our ears should hear something that sounds strikingly close to where we began our week on Palm Sunday. Jesus asked two of his disciples to find a donkey on Sunday, and he gave them specific instructions for what they are to do once they find that donkey. Once again, Jesus sends two of his disciples, but instead of finding a donkey, they are finding a place to prepare a Passover feast. Now certainly, for his group of followers, this would have not been the first time they celebrated this meal together. They were all observant of the Jewish tradition and Jewish festivities. 
This would have perhaps been their third or fourth time sharing this special meal with Jesus. And I'm certain that while the disciples perhaps shared their sentimentalities and expectations of the night, none of them understood that this night was going to be something quite different. When evening had come and when they were all sitting down and starting to eat, Jesus Jesus decided to partake in some unkind table talk. Now, I'm not talking about Jesus engaging in talking about the two things you're not supposed to talk about at a table, which are what? Politics and religion. No, Jesus decided to go a step further. He decided he would call out his company, that one of them was going to betray him. Imagine being invited a guest to a meal and someone sitting down with you and saying to you, now that I have you all here, I have something I'd like to say. One of you is not being a very good friend right now. One of you has taken some money. One of you will betray me. Now, being the pious people they were, and being the pious people we are, we hear that story, and we say, thank God it's not me. Thank God I would never do that. But Jesus continued, it's one of you. It's one of the twelve, one who is dipping his bread into the same bowl with me. Friends, what I find so interesting about this point is oftentimes when we hear this phrase, we automatically jump to Judas. Certainly it's Judas. It can only be Judas. But we neglect to remember that Judas was not the only one that betrayed Jesus that night. Before this night was over, Judas had sold him, Peter had denied him, and the rest had fleed from him. But fear not. My purpose today is not to dwell on the betrayal of the disciples. I'm confident that we understand we are in the same boat. My purpose today is to dwell on the words that follow Jesus' prediction of his oncoming fate. We call these words in the church the words of institution. As Mark tells the story, he says that when Jesus had sat down with his disciples, he took the loaf of bread that was on the table, he took it, he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them saying, this is my body. Likewise, he took the cup They all drank from the same cup. He blessed it, he gave it, and he said, this is my blood of the covenant. Mark wants us to see some things are happening when Jesus talks about this statement. When he talks about this institution of the Passover meal. One of the first things that we recount is that when Mark begins his narrative He allows us to know that this is the day when they are preparing the lambs to be slaughtered for the Passover. So we automatically can see the connection that we'll get to in a little bit of Jesus becoming one of those lambs. 
But the table in which we celebrate, we call it the Lord's table, should also hearken back to another time when Jesus used those same four words in almost exact order. Taking, blessed, broke, gave. It's the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You may remember that story. Jesus is on a mountainside and he's delivering this long-winded message to all of the people, so long that the people began to get quite hungry. That, that never happens here, right? I get going, and then you start going. It's almost time for lunch. The disciples are the ones that sit in the back like Mike and Steve right now, and all of the people are sitting up front, and they're going in the back. The people are getting hungry. They're getting hungry, Jesus. Start wrapping it up, Jesus. And Jesus asked them the question. He asked them, well, what should we do? First mistake. He asked the disciples what we should do, and the disciples' response to him was, we should send them away. We should send them to the village Let them go buy their own food. They can come back another time to hear the rest of the story. Jesus' response said, You feed them. You feed them. How on earth are we supposed to feed them? We don't have any food here. There's nothing to eat. Well, go look for it. Go see what you can find. And what we find is there's this young boy who packed his lunch. He had a couple loaves of bread and a couple fish. And what does Jesus do? He takes it. He blesses it. He breaks it. And he gives it. Sometimes I'm in awe that, you know, Marie will make for my family a loaf of this bread and it somehow only manages to feed one or two of us, right? (laughs) And yet when this bread passes through the hands of God, I've seen this loaf feed up to 120 people. You see, the first thing that Mark wants us to draw from Jesus' last supper is that this body in which Christ is to break and this blood by which Christ is to give is enough for everyone. But he also wants us to see one other thing. He wants us to see that as disciples, the answer is always in participation in Jesus' solution and not our own. You see, the disciples' solution was to send everyone away. There's not enough here for everyone to eat. Jesus says, but when it passes through me, everyone can be filled. And what's amazing about the story is that not only is everyone filled, 
but they collect the leftovers. Imagine that. We feed everyone here. And yet there's always some more to go around. Participation in Jesus' solution. Not our own. There's another meal, though, that should be recounted. It's a meal that goes back much earlier than the feeding of the 5,000. It is a meal from the very beginning with the people of Israel in bondage in Egypt. We call that meal the Passover. So when Jesus and his friends are gathered, they're not simply eating a meal together. They are recalling another meal that his ancestors had ate. If you remember, the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt. And during their time in slavery in Egypt, God instructs Moses to rise up to demand that the people be let go. Pharaoh didn't so easily oblige. So a series of ten plagues occurred, and the tenth one was the one that broke the proverbial camel's back. It was the one in which the firstborn would be killed. They were instructed to take a lamb, to slaughter it, to take the blood of that lamb, to wipe it on the doorposts of their home, and then they were to eat that lamb that was slaughtered. For that would be their sustenance for their journey out of bondage. So Jesus and his disciples as they're gathered together, they gather together remembering this story of another people at another time who were in bondage, who were kept captive. And yet here comes Jesus. Remembering. Do this in remembrance of me, he says. I always wonder, what do we mean when we say do this in remembrance of me? You see, remembrance as it relates to the Hebrew Bible, to the Old Testament, is not about remembering the past it's not about, hey, when you have some time, can you remember this little thing, please? It's not about remembering it and saying, hey, this is a once a year thing that we remember. Remembering is always like what we do when we ask that God would remember our Aunt Sally who's sick. We're not saying to God, God, would you remember my Aunt Sally when you have infinite time to do that? Remembrance. Remembrance is instead requesting God's immediate action. God, remember her now. In her life in the present. In the Jewish Seder, the practice of memorializing, the practice of remembering that first Passover goes like this. It says, it was not only our fathers and our mothers who were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, but we, we also, all of us gathered here tonight were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. 
And it was not only our mothers and our fathers who were liberated by the great and mighty hand of God, but all of us have been liberated by God. So when they're gathered in this upper room, they are remembering that it's not just what happened in the time of Moses, but we are demanding God to remember us now in our own captivity, in our own bondage to the empire. It might not be Pharaoh, but it was Rome. And if it wasn't Rome for us today, it's something else. God, remember us. For it was not only our fathers and our mothers who were Pharaoh's slaves, but we too still are in bondage. Liberate us, O God. So they gathered together to celebrate this Passover, but something new was to occur. Something that hadn't been done before. And what hadn't been done before was what Jesus talks about when he uses two words. Body and blood. Body and blood. But not just body and blood, my body. My blood. Jesus recounts just as that first Passover lamb, that first Paschal lamb was slaughtered, so too shall I. We think about that as a term called sacrifice. Sacrifice. And when we think about sacrifice, we automatically jump to the conclusion of suffering or substitution. Christ sacrificed himself so that I don't have to sacrifice myself. Christ was sacrificed. Christ was substituted on my behalf. Christ was sacrificed. Christ suffered so that I don't have to suffer. That's what we automatically jump to, but that's not the way that sacrifice would have been understood for Jesus' time. Instead, I want to offer two other solutions, two other words that might be better suiting for us other than Sacrifice as suffering and substitution. Those two words are gift and meal. When the early Israelites would sacrifice to God, they would offer the divine one a gift by burning it on the altar where there would be nothing left over and those fumes would rise up to God as a gift from the offerer. So sacrifice was first and foremost seen as gift, a gift to God. But the other way was meal. The Israelites were forbidden to eat the blood of the animal because the blood of the animal was considered to be the life of the animal. So what would they do? They would take the animal, they would have the animal slaughtered, they would put the animal onto the altar until its blood ran out. Then the animal would be taken and eaten by the offerer. It was as if the blood and the life was to offer to God and the animal was then given as gifting of a meal 
to the one who first gave. You see, the term sacrifice means literally to be made sacred. To be made sacred either through sacred gift or through sacred meal. You see, in the case of the Last Supper, it's not about recalling substitution or suffering, but it's about eating. It's about participating with Christ, and through the act of the Lord's Supper, it's about participating in Christ through a sharing of a sacred meal together. It is, in fact, a fulfillment of Jesus' commands to his disciples that they would take up their cross daily, that they would deny themselves, that they would go where Jesus goes. And where does Jesus go? Jesus goes to his death. Now, do any of you remember what the disciples respond to that statement when Jesus says to deny yourself and to take up your cross and follow me? Do any of you remember what they say? Well, Peter says, I want no part of that. The twelve then say, well, let's debate our sacred worth. And James and John, they want to know, okay, when it's all said and done, which seat am I going to have? You see, this new Passover, this meal, is in a very real way through bread becoming body and through wine becoming blood, a participation, a last final ditch effort of Jesus witnessing to those that gathered at his table and those that gather at ours. That through this and in this, we are participating with Jesus. Through Jesus' body and blood, what Jesus participates in, which is to say we pass from death to resurrection. We pass from kingdom of Caesar to kingdom of God. You see, friends, where I'm concerned is that we have lost the sense of sacred meal. That when we gather here, what we say to ourselves is we automatically jump to the conclusion that this means suffering and substitution. That we come forward and we say, well, Christ suffered so that I don't have to. Or we come forward and we say, well, Christ substituted himself so that I don't have to face those things. And when we do that, we do a great disservice. Because Christ doesn't say... Here, I'm doing all of this so that you don't have to do anything. Christ says, by doing this, you are participating in it with me. You see, the meal that we share together is a remembrance. A remembrance that there's always enough when it passes through the hands of Christ. It's a remembrance calling to mind to say, God, don't remember me when you have free time, but I demand that you come before me now. Remember me as I remember you. And it's a reminder that we come not saying to ourselves, well, we're thankful, Jesus, that you sacrificed, meaning you suffered and substituted yourself so that we don't have to but instead a recognition to be able to say, I'm able to suffer and I'm able to go through life and all of life's trials because I participate in those with you. 
You see, friends, when someone dies a peaceful death, we talk about body and soul. But it's only when someone suffers a violent death like Jesus do we talk about body and blood. We come to this meal remembering that what goes through the hands of Jesus is always enough. Remembering that just as Israel was liberated from their bondage to Egypt, so too are we liberated from those oppressive forces of ours today. And we come participating that the meal in which we share is a sharing in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen.